Hello and welcome to the UK Script Writers Podcast with me, Danny Stack. And me, Tim Clay. Yes, everyone, I'm still alive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Tim, you haven't been on the podcast for I the know. Last two or three episodes. Yeah. I know. Only through laziness. Only through laziness. A bit slack. But never yep. mind. Today we're very excited to be back together because we have an interview with none other than David Hendon, screenwriter and snooker commentator. Yes. Hello, David. Live from the Marriott. How are you? Nice to be on the podcast. <laughs> no, we're doing we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Um, it's it's that super snowy day today, listeners. When uh, uh, the country is uh, covered in uh, glorious uh, wintry scenes, and um, so David's in Cardiff, um, and we're both in Bournemouth. And Danny's walked around to my house. Four miles, people. Four, four miles. Walked four miles for the podcast. Yeah, That's dedication, see? isn't it? I love you. I love you all. <laughs> Anyway, Dave, we wanted to speak to you because you reached out to us um, about your screenwriting journey uh, because you've mm. taken an interesting turn. Uh, I know you, obviously, as a Eurosport uh, snooker commentator, legend, yeah. and <laughs> I, met, I met you a few years ago at the Screenwriters Festival, but I also read a script of yours <clears throat> a, few, a good few years ago now, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's rewind before that even mm. because you've been a snooker commentator for quite a bit. So tell us your kind of journey in terms of getting into the media and getting into writing. Yeah, in terms of the snooker, I mean, I grew up in the 1980s when snooker was more popular for a while than football on television. Mm. And so I kind of got into it as a fan and I played a little bit and I sort of kept that interest and I wanted to go into journalism um, as a career originally. And I ended up coming out of university and getting a job with the governing body, World Snooker, as a junior press officer, which I did for a couple of years. Then I became a freelance journalist. I covered the snooker tour. And then one day, basically, it was just pure luck. The guy who was commentating for Eurosport had another gig and they needed someone to fill in for the week. And I was sort of thrown into it because I'd been around the, the, the sport and whatever. Um, and I did that tournament. I've been doing it ever since. Um, so that's been for about 11, 12 years now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's obviously it's really enjoyable and I, and I really love it. I'm not one of those writers who hates his job and comes home at night trying to sort of write his way out of it. I actually really enjoy my job. Mm-hmm. But, but the writing is something that I also enjoy as, as a sort of another avenue. Yeah, how did that... Uh, how did you find or discover that uh, writing was of an interest to you because um, I'd say a, a, a kind of a casual writer, a hobby writer starting out, not yeah. saying you're that now, David, but, you know, but starting out doesn't tend to go into the more screenplay-based or dramatic <laughs> writing-based. They tend to write you know, novels, poetry, that kind of thing. What, yeah. drew, what drew you to that kind of dramatic narratives? Well, I think, again, growing up in the 80s, I was never, we never went to the theatre particularly as a family. I was never of the theatre. I watched TV and I I went to the cinema. So I was always Mm. sort of, screen was what I liked. I liked films and TV shows. So I I kind of was always interested in writing. You know, I enjoyed doing English at school um, and it was kind of an interest. I, I think it sort of took off for me when I watched The West Wing, actually, uh, Aaron Sorkin, um, I just thought that show was so well written. And in a funny sort of way, you know, a lot of people don't think about the way a show's written. They think about the acting and how it looks and the plot lines and so on. But I actually got the script book. You can get it off Amazon. You probably still can. Um, and read it. And I just thought, this is incredible. And I think that was an influence. So this would have mm. been this would have been maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, possibly. Um, what happened was I joined a writing group in Birmingham 
um, which met in a pub. And the key word in that sentence is pub, because because it very quickly became more about socialising actually than writing. And there was a lot of talk about writing, and no one seemed to be doing anything. But 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 which is which, everybody which is, listening is identifying yeah. this whole setup. Yeah. What's your problem, Dave? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go to the pub. Well, it's fine. It's fine. But a little bit of writing in a writing group probably helps. Um, but what happened was, and this was kind of, I took this as like a sign. It was a it's a pub called the Old, Old Joint Stock in Birmingham, and they actually built a theatre at the top of the pub. And I thought it was like a sixty seat studio theatre, and I thought, well. You know, surely this has got to like motivate me. I'm meeting in a pub that is now also a theatre. So yeah. what I did was I wrote a play called The Bench, and I took it up to. I didn't know anyone in the theatre, but I took it up to the theatre, literally by hand. And the guy who ran the theatre, also a director called Ian Craddock, agreed to read it, and he really liked it, and he put it on. So we did it over three nights. This was about ten, eleven years ago now. Oh, wow. um, and he and it went well, and all friends, friends and family came, all the rest of it. And the the, the cast of the of the play really enjoyed it, and they wanted to go and do it at the Edinburgh Fringe, and they arranged that, so we did it there. And then I wrote another play the following year for the same theatre. So I had a couple of plays on, and that kind of then piqued my interest because I wasn't just writing; I'd actually had stuff on, and I could yeah. see my own see my own work. And nothing inspires you. I'm sure a lot of people will connect to this. Nothing inspires you like actually seeing your work done, whatever medium it is. Mm whether it's film, TV, whatever, a game, a theatre, whatever it is, nothing inspires you like seeing your work. So that was a really good experience, but I was still interested in screenwriting, and I thought, okay, I've done a bit of theatre now, how do I get into screenwriting? And, of course, the first thing you do is you write stuff. So I wrote a, few, a couple of, sort of TV pilots and a, a film screenplay. I got, I entered sort of the BBC Writers' Room. I got through one of their schemes, got to go meet some people there. Um, but uh, what you, I, Hold on, Dave, are you just brushing that aside? Or are you, or no, did, no. You, did you get very far in that scheme, whatever it was? Well, I got through, They ha I mean, it's changed a little bit, but it's basically the open submission window. So they, yeah. in, in those days, they read, I think, the first 10 pages of everything. And if they liked it, they carried on. And then there was sort of five or six steps until you got through the sort of the final door, if you like, which is actually to go to the BBC. So there's about 20 writers there. And um, we met various people, producers, and, and a lot of sort of, Nice things were said, but what but what happened very quickly after that was the three people that ran the scheme all left. Um, so the sort of contacts that I'd made there sort of fell away a little bit. Yeah, and but the only thing I was getting at, Dave, was like the, uh, that's actually quite a big deal to get that far. Oh yeah, in, yeah. in that system, so that you, you know that your writing is of a certain quality at least. Yeah, I mean uh, it was a great it was a great confidence boost for sure. Mm. Um, and I loved going there and meeting them. But it kind of was the start of about five years where similar things like that started to happen. So I would meet people who liked things I'd written for the screen. But actually getting it on the screen is the hard bit. And in, and mm -hmm. in TV and film, it moves really slowly, as I'm sure you're well aware. It moves slowly. Uh, I, I mean, Danny, you, you'll recall I sent you a script for an appraisal. Um, it was a horror film. Yeah. And you gave me some really good feedback. And I took that and actually got together with a director uh, who wanted to make it we started to develop it and then he basically got a better gig with a with a production company to, to develop a tv series uh and went off and did that so again my my mm. film project kind of landed on the shelf and these a couple a couple of other things happened similar to that and i started to think this is and remember i had a job that i really enjoyed anyway so i was in, it's not like i was frustrated in my work life i was actually really enjoying my work life and i started to think you know what is this actually for me but then 
a key thing happened, and you can call it either an epiphany or a midlife crisis, depending on wh- where you want to, how you want to judge it. I was coming up to sort of turning forty, and I went to the Edinburgh Fringe. So this is about three years ago now. Went to the Edinburgh Fringe. My friend was directing a play, and I went to see that. And when you're there, you see lots of theatre. And I just thought a lot of this theatre actually is no good. And why don't? <laughs> why, why don't? But, but instead of being instead of being grumpy about it and saying, you know, why don't I just try and write a better play and do it here next year? And it became my sort of project for the year. So we're talking for the 2016 Fringe two years ago now. I would write a play, and I would get it on. It would be a comedy play. And it would all be—it would be like a thing that I that I would do, sort of, almost sort of returning to what I'd done a few and years had, before. And David, had you done any more plays since those two early ones above the no. pub kind of thing? So when you no. were moved into the when you tried to move into the film and TV, mm. you didn't continue the plays. You knocked those on the head because you got your day job, so you've yeah. got loads of time. So you just thought, yeah, I'll focus on the film and TV because that's where I'm trying to head towards ditch the plays and then you're like now you're coming back round to it is that the sort of a summary but, but, of that journey yeah i think what what i hadn't sort of realized was that it's about actually telling the stories you want to tell the medium is is actually not as important mm, mm, um mm. and that's what you learn what you if you've got a story you want to tell find the medium to tell it in and mm. it doesn't have to be like you know a hollywood film it can actually be a, a, a play in a in a 50 seat theater if it's the story you want to tell and you're yeah. putting it in front of an audience, then you have to be proud of that, you know. So I, I wrote this play, it's called The D-List. It's about um, a man who becomes suddenly famous. He's on reality TV, he becomes suddenly famous, uh, as is the way these days, and the way it affects his life. It's quite a sort of silly play, but it was it was good fun. But what I also thought was, I can't just write the play and then expect the world to flock to my door to want to put it on. If I want to get it on at a good venue at the Edinburgh Fringe, I need to find a producer and therefore I have to hustle a little bit and do, and do something proactive because I think that's it's interesting you know there's a lot of and I don't include your book in this but there's a lot of books about writing that are just about how you write something but actually what do you do when you finish the script is actually the big issue um where do you send it how do you get hold of people who are the right people etc so I knew I had to do something and what I what I thought was if I could get a well-known actor attached to the play then that would, I could go to producer and say, look, I've got so-and-so in it. Um, and, you know, they'd, they'd say, oh, great. You know, the only problem I had with that was I didn't know any actors. Um, <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't just ring up Idris Elba and say, by the way, Idris, I've got this play. Do you want to be in it? You know, that, that wasn't going to work. But what happened was, and this again was kind of a lot of luck, really. I was One day I was at home watching uh, The Apprentice on the BBC. And there was one of the contestants on it. Was, they were doing some task. And he mentioned or someone mentioned on the show that he was an actor. And I thought, hang on, I've written a play about someone on reality TV. Here ah. is someone on reality TV who's an actor. And he was, yeah. weirdly, he just looked kind of right for the part. It's a guy called Sam Curry. He looked right age. And there was something about him I thought this could work. And I thought, I have to make a decision here. I could just have this as an idea or I could try and get hold of him. Mm. So that's what I did. I, I tweeted him, God bless Twitter. Um, and he was very kind of gracious. He agreed to read it and actually liked it and agreed to be attached to it and off the back of that i got a producer and off the back of that we went to edinburgh and we did the play when was this last year this was 2016 right, um, right. and it well, kicked you're... off so i was going to say it kicked off a very productive period because again having had a play on and it was on for a month um and i was there the whole month 
and you know it, it wasn't necessarily a perfect experience we didn't sell out every day or anything but to actually do the play I wanted to do in the way I wanted to do it again inspired me and I think persuaded me that actually theatre was something that I should be doing and since then I've had another three plays on and I've got another one coming up very shortly yeah well we're going to talk about that in a second but uh, what I like about all that Dave is like you're speaking our language obviously in terms yeah. of just being proactive and uh, using your noggin and uh, looking for a way to hustle but also that thing about being frustrated with the screenwriting mm. process it didn't sound to me like it was like oh this is miserable it was more like a reality check of like oh this is how it works is it well screw you guys I'm going to write some <laughs> plays um, no but little, it's, not, yeah. it's not just it's not just a screw you attitude though is it Danny it's about understanding that in this limited time that we all have we want to get as many things made as we can mm. and there's an outlet you know to get something made to get it on and a finished bit of work and a bit of work that's out there to get to it, it puts you ahead of other writers so even if you then go back to the tv world the fact you've had a play yeah you know it's been Steady on progress yeah. you know it's all like well this is this is someone that you could work with because mm. they're a doer yeah. you know not 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 a moaner so it kind of sets you up as someone that's proactive anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. In all across all media. Yeah, he's a writer, not somebody who's talking about writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like back in that's the pub. Back in the pub. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. I think, like, like I say, you know, if you have stories to tell, find the way to tell them, and don't look for excuses why they're not being told. Try and find outlets. What I've learned in the last couple of years is it's all about meeting people. It's all about networking. It's not you don't just write a script and email it to someone and then. Mm expect them to like ring you back for 10 minutes later you've got to chase them up you've got to go and try and meet people one of the problems i think that some people have and i understand it is is a simple matter of geography because so much happens in london and i live in birmingham but i work a lot in london it's easy to get there and meet people that's not the case for everyone and i understand that but i think in general you have to be proactive you have to go to i mean networking does not come easily to, to writers, I think. Even, even the word mingling is horrible. You know, it's a horrible word, mingling. No one likes to, to do it. But you got to. I, I listened to your podcast about it, and I was struck by, I think one of you said that whenever you turn up at a networking event, it seems everyone already knows each other. Everyone's talking to someone. But, of course, what's happened is they've turned up five minutes before and yeah. have found someone, to, found someone to talk to. And that's, you've yeah. got to throw, throw yourself into it. I went to a thing just last year at the Young Vic in London. There was a, 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 a speed dating night for writers and directors. They in, in, invited... 20 writers, 20 directors. And it was one of those things, I didn't want to go, but I thought, hang on, I've been invited to this, you know, I'm on some list somewhere, I should go. And out of that, I met a director who I'm now working with on a play. I could have just stayed at home and sort of said, oh, that's not for me. But I went, I, I sort of was proactive again, and, and it sort of paid off. Um, and that's what you've got to do. It's not just about yeah. writing. Obviously, you've got to write something good, that's obvious, but yeah. it's not just about that. No, it's not just about that. And I think the other thing that kind of gives us hope um happened in your story it's happened to us recently a couple of times is that some by you kind of maybe are more well known than people think that you are you know mm -hmm. to yourself because mm -hmm. when uh when myself and danny go out and about and we're meeting writers and uh, other people from film tv or whatever you know it's quite surprising sometimes to us how many people have heard of the podcast and you're thinking yep. there seems to be more people have heard of it than listened to it but of course that <laughs> makes sense because mm. people you know although we get like you know one two thousand people listen to each episode that's not the same people every time mm. so of course actually the reach is much broader than that mm. and it, it you know it, it can be surprising 
even if you kind of made a, a little short film and you've put it on at a local festival, it can be surprising when you go somewhere. And of course, the people there are the type of people that would have checked out that festival and might have seen your short. Yeah. So actually, mm. you know, those networking things don't have to be as daunting as people think that they could be because mm. it's all like-minded folk i mean it's not like mm. you're just thrown into a re- i mean to me i'd be more nervous about going to a like a school reunion or something because there's a bunch of people <laughs> yeah. that don't have the same interest and don't know anything yeah. about what's going on you know if you go into a networking thing it's all cool folks mm. that are interested yeah. in the same thing as you you know you must have a lot of connection with those people yeah. but people are nervous you are right about that uh david but unnecessarily yeah. so as your story proved as well but also dave uh people are paying attention industry-wise you know mm. there are there are industry moles i'll call them but they're really assistants and <laughs> and, and they they get sent to the plays they get sent yeah. to the short film festivals and stuff check that out was there anything interesting and they report back to their bosses and it's very yeah. under the radar stuff you wouldn't really know mm. that they're there but they do yeah. pay attention. Um, and, al- and, also, and also, also, I think that what, what people need to understand is writers are actually at a, to a degree at an advantage because people need scripts. People need scripts in the theatre, film, TV. Someone's got to write it. And so they're actually keen to meet you. You know, if you if you email a director or something, who may, you may have seen a play that they directed and you might have liked it. If you email them and say, can we meet for coffee? Usually they'll say yes because they're actually – interested in engaging in engaging with you it's like you said and, and this was a, this struck a real chord with me there's no inside you know there's there's no clique there's no secret handshake you know everyone has started somewhere obviously some people have advantages they may have gone to the university with someone or whatever but in general it's the arts world is open and you can you know you can do your stuff if you know sort of how to navigate it but you you can't just sort of sit down and expect people to come to you is the point you've got to go out there and also you've got to be prepared for them to say no and for them not to be interested not everyone is going to like what you do but you've got to find the right people and you've got to be persistent and i think that's what i learned and i think what i learned that from the sort of what i call the screenwriting years if you like when i was meeting people but in the end nothing kind of appeared if you like um i sort of had to reassess my priorities in a way and i love doing theater i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't want to still do screen but theater i've sort of found real sort of place doing theater i think um and and it's been i've been very productive and inspired to write which again is a key thing you know if it inspires you to write it must be good well let let me ask you about the craft of screen uh, Mm. the craft of writing a theater play Mm, as yeah. opposed to screenwriting, because I've tried it and I don't get on with it really. And <laughs> I re, and I, when I read plays, I'm like, I can appreciate a good one, but at the same time, don't really enjoy reading plays. Right. There's, there's a hell of a lot more dialogue for one. Yes. So there's less plot. There's less kind of uh, ambitious storytelling in terms yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. where the locations can go and where the story can go, um, which is not a criticism. It's just a like practicality thing. So how did you find the switch from? So, like you've been writing screenplays and then you decide mm. to write that play. Well, you've been writing plays for quite a while now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think where I always start, um, I think that audiences connect with a piece of work through characters. Um, I think that's the way in. Rather than setting or even plot, it's characters. The example I always use is the film Titanic. What people care about there are the couple, not all the people who who die on the ship. It's just the two of them, basically, because you invest in their story. And so for me, it's about thinking about the character and from that, the sort of, the rest of it comes together. Um, You're right in terms of, I mean, in theatre, people 
don't like a lot of stage directions, for example, because it's sort of down to the director to work with the actors in terms of how it's staged. So it can be very dialogue heavy. But I write, I like writing dialogue. That's why I like Aaron Sorkin, you know, because that's that's kind of his thing. Um, so maybe that is another reason why I've sort of taken to it. Um, in terms of yeah, there's less description than there would be in a screenplay. That's absolutely right. You're sort of limited in terms of location, although you can do certain things in theatre where you can persuade people you're anywhere if you sort of do it right. Yeah. Um, but also, I think, because I sort of like focusing on character, actually, I've written quite a few monologues where it's just one person in a small space. And actually, that intimate setting can make it really interesting dramatically because you're so focused on their story. You're not distracted by theatrics or anything. You're just focused on on, on that story that, that they're telling. Um, so... I think in that way it's kind of it's kind of suited me in a way. I always sort of one thing I did struggle with with screenwriting was actually dis, sort of describing action. I, I was m- much more interested in writing sort of conversations. I think. And um, you know, if there's people listening to this and uh, and they're thinking, um, well, they've got one foot in that theatrical writing already. They're kind of exploring it. What would you say? you know is the best way to uh to kick it off in that practical <coughs> way is it about because you've mentioned about teaming up and trying to find a, a producer for instance you know yeah. do you, is it something that people could start they could maybe produce their first one or do you recommend that you always get a producer involved or uh, you know or have you ever directed plays yourself you know what's the mm. how do you, what's your view of the business side of it in that way i think if you're starting out you know it starts small would be my advice so you can and that's the thing you can do it quickly you know you can find if you've got friends or actors or you can find some actors who are maybe willing to do it for for not much money at first you know it doesn't cost much to hire a room room above a pub and do a play you know that can be done i think what what you need really is credits um if you're going to be taken seriously and one way to get those is to enter competitions i entered a play there's a competition called the Kenneth Branagh New Writing Prize. Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. And, yeah, yeah. and it got to the final, so oh, it, so it, so it got put on. Um, right, in, right, in, right. Windsor, in Windsor, and then I got to the final again the year after. Didn't win either time, by the way, but I got to the final two years running. So at least that showed that I had that sort of credit, you know, um, mm. that I'd been in in a quite a big uh, award sort of final. Um, there's loads and loads of uh, sort of short play competitions. I've done a lot of short plays at good venues like Southwark Playhouse, the Arcola, the Bunker Theatre, these sort of places. Um, and like all these opportunities are there. And it doesn't, a lot of them are free to enter. Most of them are free to enter, actually. All you've got to do is send off your script. Um, and in some cases, you know, it inspires you to write a script, maybe. Um, and what I would say is, like, just enter everything you can because. You're not, obviously you're not going to win everything you're not going to get through everything but if you start to get a few of your plays through you get to see them done you get the credit and as you say industry people may be there you start to develop a kind of name and you can when you show people your CV there's actually stuff on it it's not stuff mm. you've written it's not stuff you've written it's stuff you've written that's been put on yeah yeah um, yeah so, yeah. so so, there's a lot of options I mean self-producing is not something I particularly want to do um neither is directing I, I like writing and then i like teaming up with people that i can work with um mm. but in the first instance yeah try and get something on for sure because then then you're a writer you know if you if you had something on somewhere and an audience has come you're a writer i've just had an idea for you dave you ready this is like for your new play okay okay so, go on, yeah. so, so you set up a little corner 
which is a commentator's booth for yourself. <laughs> and, you, and you get to commentate on the, how the it's director a, yeah. and actors are doing. That's not how I did it's it. Like, it's, like, it's like a DVD commentary, but actually in real time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your new play then and when it's on, because it's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, the play, it's the title will mean nothing until I explain it. The title, it's called Banana Crabtree Simon. And it's about a man with early onset dementia. Um, at the start of the play, his wife is worried about his memory. He goes to the doctor and he's asked to memorise three words, the three words of the title, Banana Crabtree Simon, um, as a test of his short-term memory. And throughout the play, you know, those words take on a significance and as his memory starts to fade. It can't, I mean, I'm in another writer's group now, which doesn't meet in a pub. Um, it meets in a, in a bookshop. Shame, uh, shame. With, in a wet less, bookshop? Jeez. There's, 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 less, drink, there's less drinking, uh, apart from sort of green tea, there's less drinking goes on. Oh, sounds um, awful. <laughs> but... But it's, it's, we did a workshop uh, just last year, just last September, so this is how quickly it's come about. Um, and we were asked to write a sort of personal story uh, in, in brief. And then we were asked to write it again from a different point of view. And we did this four times. And I wrote this thing about dementia within a family. And it kind of stayed with me. And I thought, I actually want to go and expand this into a play. So I wrote the play um, and sent it off to a production company, Rigmarole Productions, who I saw on Twitter were looking for a monologue, which is what it is. Um, and and they really liked it and they wanted to do it. It was that simple. I mean, it doesn't. it's not always that easy by any means, but that literally was what happened. And, and it's happening, it starts March the 19th at the Drayton Arms Theatre in London. So, as I say, it's a one-man play, again, character-based, but it's not necessarily about dementia. It's about the character. It's about his life, and it, it, as much about his family and the people around him and, and the effect that the condition has on them as it is about him. Um, it's quite an emotional story. And it's one, I think, that you know will resonate with a lot of people who have people within their family and, and people they know who, who have this condition. Um, yeah. so, so it's very exciting. And, and you know, it, it's been really great sort of putting the, the play together. As I say, it's come together really quickly. But again, part of it was that I had, as I said before, those credits to show. I wasn't just... Yeah, Someone yeah. Walking in off the street with a play, even if they like the play, I could still say, "Yeah." And I've done these other things. I've got these reviews. Mm. I've been, been in this final of this and that and whatever. And I could, I had that to sort of back it up. And and that's kind of what I think why I've ended up, you know, with this play being on. Where where is it on? Did you say is it on already? No, no. It's on March. It starts March the nineteenth to April the seventh. It's on at Drayton Arms Theatre in London. And then the the plan is to. I think take it to Edinburgh Fringe as well, and and hopefully, if it goes well, hopefully some sort of sort of regional tour of the UK as well. That's the hope for it. Sweet. Obviously, obviously in theatre as in anything, you know, commercial reality comes into play as well. But if it goes well initially, then hopefully it will have sort of an extended life. Who's in it? Any named actor or anything? The the main actor you may know him is is a guy called uh, C J Demui. He was he's best known for being again. It's a bit like. The, the actor who's on The Apprentice he's best known for being on Eggheads the, the BBC2 <laughs> TV show but, but as with a lot of actors you know most actors have another job they're either a waiter or they work in a hotel mm. or whatever he just happened to be on a, a TV show he's a very committed actor um, and you know he's obviously had to learn a, a long script because it's just him so it's quite exciting to see what he's going to bring to it um, and yeah it, it's interesting I think like this is the thing that um, maybe you don't have so much in film because in film you you filmed it it's done it can't change you know that's the film in theatre from night to night things can change and I've sat mm. 
watching watching work that I've written and some nights it's really landed and some nights it hasn't and it may only be a subtle thing like the weather's bad outside and the audience are in a bad mood or something you know you can't sort of control things like that but that's kind of exciting about theatre in a way in a way you don't get that so much with screen I think because it's always going to be the same in theatre it can change and that's exciting but also I guess a little bit nerve-wracking as well can I uh, kind of join a couple of dots up in a way incorrectly <laughs> you talked about importance of um, like the cast and uh, you've got some uh, both of those stories your casting stories are about you've taken someone that you know from one thing that's maybe not acting on the stage mm. so well and now they're acting on this on the stage and it, it that in a way sort of mirrors a little bit your life people know you a li little bit maybe from the media but not from that kind of media do mm. you has it do you think the uh, your other journalism uh, work and and the commentary work do you think that that has helped in any way at <laughs> all because there'll be some listeners listening that will will see that as part of the the journey that you were kind of good media contacts or whatever not just that but just a someone that they kind of maybe have heard of mm -hmm. and now you're doing something else in a way a small version of like david williams's children's books yeah. like you know we know him mm -hmm. from one thing and now he's doing something else but it's you know so what um yeah what's your i think it's on that i think it's helped in two ways one is that um being a journalist i have a sort of writing background so I'm used to communicating, I'm used to telling a story in a, in a different way, um, and broadcasting is the same. Like snooker commentary, you are there's a narrative that you're trying to sort of piece together. So I think it helps in that way. I think also it's always kind of a talking point with people because a lot of people, when you tell them what, what you do, they look at you as if to say, is that really a job? You know, is that, is that, really, is that really a thing? <laughs> but what's weird, what's weird is I've met a lot of people, directors, it's always directors who love snooker. There's one in particular I've worked with, Hannah Bannister, who directed my play Eyes to the Wind. She's a massive snooker fan. And when she found out that, I was involved in the snooker. She didn't want to talk about the play. She wanted to say, "When can I get tickets? When can I get tickets? When can you introduce me to Roddy O'Sullivan?" All this sort of stuff. And and so it's kind of, I think it, I think it has helped in that sense. It kind of it breaks the ice a little bit actually. If you sit down with someone, it's not like a sort of job that you would maybe expect anyone to do, but obviously someone's got to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it, it's helped in those ways. And also, what I find is like one is a release from the other. So. Some days at the snooker, it's not as exciting as others, and you can't get, you can't wait to go back to the hotel and do some writing. But at the same time, if you're stuck on a play, I think, okay, well, it's no problem. I've got the World Championship coming up soon, so I've got that to look forward to. Um, so I think that it's good to have that balance. I, I recognise not everyone does a job that they like, so I am very fortunate. I know, I know that. And also doing the snooker because it's not nine to five every day, it opens up quality time to write because that's kind of one of my things is like I have to set aside time I can't just do 10 minutes if I'm involved in a project I need proper time and and, and again I'm fortunate that I can do that with the snooker well, I remember introducing uh, you to Tim at the screenwriter's festival <laughs> a few years ago but remind us what he signed on your book you graciously yeah. uh, bought her book and then Tim signed it what did he say on it yeah I think he was very grateful that I bought the book um, I was, because I was. He, 
because he signed he signed it because uh, obviously I knew Danny because he read the script and, and so on. But uh, Tim signed it. I've no idea who you are, but thanks for buying my book. Which no, it's, fair. it's fair enough, I think. Bro, I stand brings, by that. Brings you back down to earth, Dave. You know. I yeah. stand by that. There's nothing wrong in that sentence. I stand by that uh, critique, and uh, and I'm still pleased that he bought it. Yeah, I'm more, uh, even more. So. And read it by the sounds of it. So no, yeah. So am I, and, and 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 not that I'm here to plug your book, but no. I think that I think that the key thing is to say that I took away from it is, you know, it's not a closed shop. This this world, mm. it's about finding your way in, and everyone has a different way. And sometimes, perhaps as with me, you think one way is the way in, and it isn't. But well, if you can find your way and find a way of telling your stories, then you know it's very fulfilling. And I feel really energised that I'm writing these plays. I've just been commissioned actually to write a play for next year, which is really brilliant. exciting. So I'm yeah, going to start yeah, work yeah, on that soon. Um, well, so yeah, it, it's re- I, I, it's really enjoyable. My favourite bit of what you've said um, uh, today was the back to the pub part, you know, and they open the theatre upstairs, so you just pop on up with the script in your right? hand in your hand now seems so obvious mm. but think mm. about the number of people that wouldn't do that and won't have done that you know and that's what it's about it's a bit like it's a little cheeky opportunity why not give it a go what's the worst that can happen yeah. what is the absolute yeah. worst that could happen is they go now we're, we're not interested in scripts mm. but I, they're still going to be cool people yeah. to me anyway aren't they there's no downside to just giving something like that a go no. I think it's very easy to think there's no point you know, it's very easy to think they won't be interested. What's what's the point? I'll go back to the bar and drink and complain. But at the end of the day, like you say, what is there to lose? It's a little bit like, as I say, like I, I wondered about uh, Sam, who's on The Apprentice. I wondered about should I actually contact him? He might think I'm a lunatic, you know, uh, or something. But then again, what's the downside? The only downside is he says no, and we move on. Um, thankfully, he said yes, and you've you've got to take those chances. And I think it's one thing I've learned is that because I this week two, I had two emails rejecting uh, things I'd enter for various things. You can't take it personally. You just have to move on. Okay, oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, they yeah. they did they didn't like it. Okay, yeah. fine, let's move and on. And that's all that it yeah. That's all that those emails say, is it wasn't for them or they've yeah. got something like, you know, that's all that you can um, draw from that. But people read much more into those negative things sometimes, which then weighs upon their mind or yeah. gives them yeah. self-doubt, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I, and I think I think you also have to look at it. It's actually harder for actors, actors all the time. I know actors who go up for auditions and just can knock back and they've spent a whole day traveling somewhere to go yeah. and try and get, get a part. Again, it's part of their world, and you have to accept that, that, you know, not everyone's going to think you're a genius by any means, you know, but you've got to keep plugging away. If it's something you're interested in, keep yeah. plugging away. And as I say, try and find the right medium for you and try and make something happen, because when it does, it will inspire you definitely to carry on. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, about uh, the, the opportunity of the theatre, mm-hmm. and I think too many writers do dismiss it as... Um, too, not, too not quickly them. yeah it's not for them without giving it a go and like you say it's almost like a great it's a great learning tool as well mm. especially mm. at that beginning level amateur level of you know up and coming actors local actors up and coming director giving it a go you know a, a one act um uh play you know i mean it's like how much as a writer could you learn from putting that on and getting involved in that and mm. um work you know getting feedback from actors on writing and so on it would be like a mar- uh, sort of a self a self-fulfilling masterclass almost yeah. that you've brought upon yourself so uh, uh, yeah I, I think more writers should be involved mm. in this kind we, of we world. did through a section 
on theatre in the book, but because we didn't have any experience of it, we got Tom Green to write about it. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is great. So, but it sounds like you've done all the right things, David. And, and what's next? Well, as I say, I've, I've been commissioned to write this play, which I'm about to start, but I'm also I'm working with a, a theatre company called Fabricate Theatre on a play I've written called Consent, which is uh, a man and a woman meet on a night out there's an allegation of rape. We follow the story through to the trial and you hear it from both points of view. So the, the truth is in there somewhere, but a little, oh, bit like yeah. a, a little bit like a jury, the audience have to sort of find who they believe and what to believe. Um, so we're literally about to start workshopping that. I've got another play that I'm also about to start workshopping. So yeah, again, mm. like I found, I found people to work on these projects with and, and it's exciting. And hopefully in the next couple of years, you know, there'll be, there'll be a lot more kind of stuff on somewhere. Yeah, sounds great. And uh, just uh, let's um, get into the bit that no one ever likes to talk about. Is there any uh, profit <laughs> at all in this, though, David? Or is this all, in a way, the equivalent of short films, you know, that you, we're mm. kind of doing it to build our name and to get a wider reputation out there, but there's not really much money in it? When I started, there was no money in it. Uh, now... I am earning some money, not fortunes by any means. Again, I'm fortunate that I have a job that is actually yeah. quite well paid and that I enjoy doing. But yeah, you can earn money. It's a long haul, I think, theatre in terms of earning money. If you've got to play in the West End, you're coining it in. Um, mm. but, but I'm not at that stage yet. But um, you, yeah, I think I, what I would say is don't go into it if if your motivation is financial because you, you'll get burnt. Um, mm. But, but you know, if you eventually have a career as a playwright, you, you can earn money. At the level I'm at, no, I'm not earning a fortune, but I am getting paid, which is, it's good, right. I think. It's good for your yeah. confidence, I think, just to get some money for what you're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's probably better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, mm. just as a couple of noobs that don't know much about this um, world, is it like a kind of, do you get paid a fee or are you on a percentage of the sales or what's the kind of uh, payment structures? On the play that Banana Crabtree Simon that I've got on soon, there's a, an upfront fee and then there's a, as you, a percentage of the profits, okay. sh assuming there are any. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the next. So if it went to Edinburgh, there would then be another fee for that as well. Um, so yeah, that, but not everyone operates like that. Some will expect you to profit share. Some will expect yeah. you to do it for nothing. You know, it just depends yeah, on yeah, yeah. Who, who you who you work with. I mean, I'm very fortunate that the company I'm working with are very professional um, and want to and want to do it properly. You know, want to do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, right. it's good though. Steady progress all the way, Dave. Well done. Mm. Yeah. And, Thanks. Uh, no, no, we're re no. It's exciting because we do one of the reasons that we do the podcast, or one of the main reasons, is because for us to learn. <laughs> so we're always sort of like we're always really interested to hear about these um, to us unusual and different uh, writing opportunities but of course to mm. some people the number one way yeah um so yeah fan fascinating all right we'll, we'll quite quite around wrap it up there i we think we should wrap it up there you can hear dave uh if you mm -hmm. watch your sport uh snooker <laughs> which mm -hmm. is uh snooker now is really taken off in terms almost the same as the darts it's always on somewhere or there's always a competition now somewhere um so your sport covers it all so you'll hear dave there and you can go see his play next month in the Drake in Rooms. Yeah. Um, starts on the 19th, did you say? 19th of March till April the March. 7th, yeah. Great, yeah. Cool. Yeah, or catch him next time up in uh, the Fringe yeah. or wherever. Do you have a mm. website, Dave, for your writing? 
I've literally, yeah, hopefully it'll be live by the time this podcast comes out because I've literally just right. been doing it this week. It's right. davidhendon.info. That's davidhendon.info. Okay, easy cool. to find, easy right. to find. Mm-hmm. All right, brilliant. All right, well, cheers for, cheers for that. All the best for that. Um, Thank you. Right in, and we'll try and catch up with you next time. Next time I know who you are. And uh, <laughs> at some, at, at some writing, writing event, yeah. um, it'd be good to catch up again and um, hear you know of all those new successes which i'm sure there well, will be well, well here's the thing just finally the play banana crabtree simon is actually being published as well so tim if you buy a copy i'll sign it all right there's a deal there's a deal there's a deal i like that i like that all right cheers for that then um uh david and we'll catch you later thank you very much cheers, cheers mate. Bye, bye. just wanted to add a little bit extra at the end talking about our new website ukscriptwriters.co.uk dead easy to remember and um, on there you'll find all these podcast episodes free as always as well as uh, short videos any articles we're writing links to anything we've done like our books or our movies so it's like one easy place to go to find a link to everything else so check it out if you can just a little bit of book news as well we wrote uh, a book came out late last year called write a script in 10 weeks and uh, we've made that now available on kindle a lot of people um ask for that uh, they think they find it easier to you know maybe read it on their commutes and that kind of thing so uh write a script in 10 weeks now available on kindle as well um, at the minute it's bargain price 2.99 it is quite a short book we'll, we'll admit that because we've tried to cut out absolutely everything that we felt wasn't focused on how to achieve that how to crack on and get that first draft done in 10 weeks it's really really punchy and i guess the idea behind it what we we're aiming for was that you wouldn't be spending all your time reading the book you could have a quick look at the book uh, it would give you the top things you're supposed to be doing that week and then you could just crack on and hit the ground running so it's all the key information and everything else all the theory stripped away and it's just the practical stuff left so uh yeah check that out if um if you want to again probably the best way is to find it on our website uh, ukscriptwriters.co.uk and we'll see you next time cheers them. Um.